are excited to bring to you author Jason Michael Primrose. And he has a new book out, which he's going to discuss on this podcast. You know, Jason has been obsessed with conceptualizing alternate worlds and characters since childhood. Their origins were devised as allegorical and subconscious outlets that express both his trials and triumphs as an LGBTQ plus person of color and struggles with finding his voice, focus, and purpose as a multi-hyphenate creative. And out of this, the Lost Children of Andromeda Universe was born. Well, he is here on the Black Girl Nerds podcast to talk about his new book, 25Z Time and Salvation. So if you are a fan of all things sci-fi and dystopian and post-apocalyptic and all of that interesting, fun, fantasy-filled stuff, you're going to love this episode. Trust me. Sit back, relax, and I hope you enjoy this episode of the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Welcome to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan. And look, look, I know we don't like to think about it, but you guys remember back in 2020 when everybody was like, let's just get to 2021. Let's just make it a 2021. Now we're in 2021. Everybody's like, well, we might need one more year. Let's get like 2022. But here, I got a thought. What if we just skip it all, just go to 2040, 2052, <laughs> 2050Z, you know, let's just keep it going. Look, if I got you curious and you're a little bit like, okay, what's Ryan talking about here? You need to check out this book series, you guys, that I have just gotten into. It's called The Lost Children of Andromeda. Definitely need to check it out. Specifically today, though, we're going to talk about the book 25, 20, uh, let me see, yeah, 25Z. I want to make sure I had it right, Time and Salvation. That's what we're going to talk about today. Let me get the title right, because it's very important, because you guys need to definitely check this out. And I'm with the author, Jason Michael Primrose. He's a visionary, an independent author. So excited to talk to him, because I was telling him before we started, before I hit record, anytime you can bring melanin to the science fiction world, I'm game, I'm with it, to the adventure side, because we don't always get to read about it. We don't always get to see the beautiful images. So it's really great. Jason, thank you so much for talking with me today. I really appreciate it. Oh, my gosh. Thank you. What an opening. Wow. <laughs> Like that was. Hey, weird. I had to look. People don't know about this world, and they need to. So I had to give them a good opening. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I I appreciate it so much. I appreciate it so much. Um. Okay. So let's talk about the beginning of your story, right? I'm always in awe when I get to talk to an author, a writer, because it is so much work that people probably don't know that's behind the scenes that goes into making these worlds. So kind of tell us, like, why storyteller? Why being a storyteller? Why being an author was a calling for you? Um, I, you know, I, I was reading when I was really young. I was, uh, um, I grew up my first eight years or so. I was an only child. Um, and you know, I always was lost in a book. I did the reading, fun- reading is fundamental program by one of those pizzas at Pizza Hut. Um, but, uh, you know, there was a story in particular that inspired me to create my own world. And, uh, the book is called Jeremy Thatcher, Dragon Hatcher. And I read it when I was in, in fourth grade. And I actually just bought it, like a, like a, like a version of it, uh, because I realized that it had such a profound impact on me. So from that book, I created a sequel, except the little boy who plays with the dragons is black, <laughs> and it's probably me. Nice. Um, so I turned that into a little illustrated book that I also still have from my fourth grade, which is right there. You can 
you might be able to see it behind. Yeah, you guys can't see. He has a dope background, by the way. I like the little cool images and stuff behind him that we can't see. Um, <laughs> you guys can't see. I, I'm enjoying <laughs> it, by the way. Um, but yeah, so I turned that into a little a little picture book that I drew and and and, and wrote. And that became this whole series called Dragon Wars. And I wrote that when I was in my teens. And then when I was an adult, I put it down. I didn't touch it for 10 years. And I picked it back up. And I was like, this is the same story, same essence, same characters, but it's different now. And so I started to write it from the lens of the world that I was seeing and experiencing. And, um, you know, we'll bridge it back to some of the other elements that happened in the original series. But I wanted to really be about being on Earth and like our struggles here. Um, and just the things that like we're 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 going through right now as we go into like as we move into more like cosmic experiences and cosmic existence. But um yeah, it's it's been with me twenty-six years, the story. So it's very deep and, and long. Yeah, it's and it's really cool. And talk about too starting up like Cluster Chronicles and you had this huge crowdfunding project that exceeded your expectations. Talk a little bit about that, especially for everybody that's listening that wants to be a writer and everybody has downtime now. Like, how do you even start this? It's crazy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I did a live yesterday about like all the resources that I use as an as an entrepreneur, which I, I love to do those. Um and Kickstarter was really um, paved a way for me where I thought there was no way to go. Um, and it does that for a lot of independent creators, uh, particularly uh, comic book creators. You, you'll see comic book um, crowdfunding uh, campaigns going year round. Um, but I knew that that was a place where I could foster a sense of trust, right? Kickstarter has its own community, but it's also a platform that you know when you're pledging for something that you'll get something in return. So it's different than asking all your friends and family to donate to you and things like that versus having having them say, no, you get you give this and you'll get a book, a poster, et cetera. So, um, so the cool thing about Kickstarter is the infrastructure. Everything's there for you. You just have to fill it in, you know, so you can put in your images, you can make it your own, you can make it as big or as small, you can do as much like campaign style or just make it a little bit smaller and only reach out a certain number of people. But I've, I've made lofty goals on there. So <laughs> my campaigns have been very big. There's been like trailers and, and I did a lot of content, a lot of lives and I went on different shows and things like that. So, um, so you can do, you can do it however you want. It just depends on, you know, how, how big the project is and it, you know, how many books you want to sell and and if it's for like, um, you know, more for creation or more for distribution, um, different things like that. And then the Cluster Chronicles, I actually formed because of the Kickstarter. So the first one I did in 2018, I was like, wait a minute, you know, intuitively I knew like this can't be like attached to my name, like my social security number and stuff like that because of the way, you know, business works. So I was like, okay, so I need a, I need a hub for my publishing, you know, for my, for the series that's protected. And then all the money can go in there and then it can be, you know, it can be clean and separated. So I formed the Cluster Chronicles in 2018 to be the publishing entity for Lost Children of Andromeda. Um, And we're still here. 
Yeah, this is this is super cool. Like just being able to take that leap and you're like, look, I want to have this separate and just the business side that people don't always think about that. I know people's wheels listening are like spinning. Like, oh, my gosh, how can I do this? I have this idea in my head. How can I get this out? Um, speaking of ideas, let's get into time and salvation because this is crazy. I actually want to talk about a little bit of like the characters. We won't give too much away um, because I, you know, you guys, I want you guys to check it out. I want to ruin the world for you because it was a huge surprise for me. Um, but first, though, OK, talk about how do you write such detailed battle scenes? And there are even scenes where the characters I won't mention the kind of ruin it for, but there are even characters where you have to kind of speak in code and you're writing that as well. Like, what is that process like where you don't get confused on like what character is doing what? Um, <laughs> I have to go over it many times. That book. So I'm just going to give you some background on 2050Z. First of all. OK, yeah, OK, OK. That is that book. So okay, okay. Z is the original for the first Dragon Wars book. It has yeah, been yeah, rewritten okay, okay. at least 10 times. At least wow. 10 times. And that's like wow. conceptually, meaning the storyline was different 10 times. Before it was dragons, then it was something else, and it was something else. The last time I picked it up in 2013, it was called Gym Search. Which, mm, okay. which was a, which is still the same concept, but even from there, I published a version of it in 2016 called the Andromeda Project. Didn't go through all the steps I needed to go through with editing. Took it down, started rewriting it. So all in all, the number of drafts that I've written for that book is I can't even count how many there have been. I don't even remember. Wow. Yeah. And then I went through five rounds of editing with this this version of it. So every time an editor would go through it, they would say something about like, make sure this is clear, make sure this is clear, make sure this is clear, or make sure, you know. So it's really really the attention to detail, but I had to go back over it, over it, over it again and again to make sure I was like catching the things. Um, So it's it's equal parts diligence and patience. Um, And then I think dedication to like, the authenticity of the characters and their experiences inside the battles. Um, yeah. So I think that's, that's like, and, and I, I listen to like crazy film score music when I'm writing that stuff. So it brings out the, <laughs> the what might be happening uh, in, in my head. Yeah, it's such a cool, and you can feel it too, because that's why I asked you, because usually when you have people writing these books, sometimes you can, you know, they kind of want you to kind of fill in the blanks a little bit, like they don't get as much detail of it. So that's why I was curious of your process and how many, and I'm glad you told that for people too that's listening. There's drafts you got to go through. You got to read this over and over again. You got to have editors. Like it's not just a one and done and you put it out and it's good. Yeah. And you can tell that because like I said, it is so detailed that you usually don't get, especially when you have to describe these action scenes. Because I was like, I'm ready for like a mini series or something <laughs> to be able to see it because it was descriptive. Like I could see what was going on. And sometimes when you have like the sci-fi and you're talking apocalyptic you don't get all that like they like fill it in you know what i mean yeah. like you get the characters a little bit and you kind of have to fill it in i was curious about so that I thought too, that was super because cool. do you which do you prefer because some readers like a little bit of vagueness i guess mm-hmm. um and some and some people like to like have the have it built out for them in their head it just depends well i tell you what i feel like it was a good mixture because there's some things where it was like okay, I want to know this, but I'm like, hmm, maybe I should have just filled in the blank. Like, you know, maybe I should know, I should fill in more about this building myself. Like, you know, he told me it's his vault, but I should just picture it more about 
you know, what's in this thing, mm-hmm. you know, but then there's characters that you want to know about, um, you know, that I want to mention here in a little bit. And you're like, you see them and then uh, you guys definitely got to check out the website. And when you guys get the book, the pictures, the images, and you're like, okay, I want to know more about this. Like, how do they use this weapon? I want to know, like, I want to see it pictured out a little bit more. And you do that as well. So that's what I think is so cool about this. Um, that, you know, there's some moments you're leaving us hanging because it's like, you know, figure it out, figure it out. And then other moments we can kind of work through the characters. Speaking of which, Alistair Adams, our main character that we're rocking with here. But first of all, I love how he keeps the fro tight. Love how his hair is very serious to him. Um, what this character, I feel like, will take as a maker, will take everybody through the emotion. Because he's one of those dudes that I feel like I'm always wondering, will he ever figure it out? You know, you kind of know where he wants to go, but you're like, will he ever get it straight? So kind of talk about a little bit or how much ever you want to give and let and um, release for us, you know, because you do with that, that anonymity to figure it out since they figure him out. But tell us like where he came from, like the picture in your head for him, like how you came up with this character. Yeah, you know, uh, I, I for a long time, I denied that Alistair was me. Um, <laughs> for a long time, I denied Alistair was, was me and it actually made it really hard to write him because of that. But uh you know, we talk about the idea of potential, that we have infinite potential. That's something that I've always dealt with. Oh, you you know, you, if you just applied yourself, that's what I always heard. And so um, it's interesting because I, you, the beta readers said the same thing. They're like, you know, I'm just like, Alistair. <laughs> and so yeah, and, it's, and yeah. it's kind of that. And, it's, and then that's the same frustration that people experience, you know, with me when they're like, but Jason, you could just, you, you know what you need to do, right? Um, so it's it's really funny that you say that. I, and, I, and I want, I wanted him to be really relatable because we're all kind of like that, right? We kind of know what we're, we're meant to do or what, what, what we could do. And, right. um, and sometimes we just don't make those choices. And for whatever reason, you know, whether it's like fear or, or obligation or, um, you know, or, or, or just not knowing or, or pretending not to know. Uh, so, um, yeah, I, I appreciate that. Um, I wanted him to be someone that you want to root for, but, uh, that you could also see, uh, yourself in, you know, so he can't be too earnest, you know, like too earnest, too valiant to where Mm -hmm. he's like, it's like frustrating that he's so good. I didn't want him to be like a good guy. Um, and I also didn't want him to be so annoying, like 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 an anti-hero, that uh, you wouldn't actually like him. Uh, right. So yeah, I, I wanted him to be very very human. And you know, I actually sort of started with two because you kind of pointed that out a little bit here. Um, just writing characters of color or um, writing these diverse characters, the fact that you use um, that they're evolutionaries, right? That term a lot of you, and it's not powers, it's potential. I thought was so cool. Can you talk a little about that? Because I that blew my mind. When I figured out what you were talking about, I was like, this is so cool for younger people or people to see these terms and think, oh, so it's potential, right? Or it's evolutionary, you know? Yeah. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. I, I have to I have to thank one of my editors for that. Uh, she basically read through my manuscript and said, this is really awesome, but I'm going to be honest with you, superhero novels don't do well. And she was like, you got to find a different word for superhuman and you got to find a different word for powers because that word is like wow, a turnoff yeah. for, this was when I was thinking of going, tr- trying to pitch it for a traditional publishing. So I had to really think about 
what the rules were for like accessing what we're capable of in, in this universe. And um, I had just gone through a transformation program called Atlas. And um, we talk a lot about infinite possibility in that, in that transformation program. And I don't know where the word potentials came from as a concept, but I think it stemmed a little bit from, from possibility. Um, And then evolutionaries was this idea that like, there's a, we have these genes inside of us that are not activated, but will be activated by an event that is not here yet. Um, That happens in 2040 with the arrival. So, uh, so the idea that we have potential and that means that what's possible or what the outcome is, is only based on how much we apply our intention to that potential is that I could be telekinetic, but I need to be intentional about doing so. And then that, that means as much focus and concentration as I can apply to that outside of, you know, any other emotion like rage will skew your intention, skew your outcome. Um, and I don't want to mention that other word that we'll, that we can't use because it's, a, because it's a spoiler. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but, but, but we're talking about potential and outcomes. And so uh, yeah. well, that's driven by intention. And so I thought, I thought it would be a cool way to say that, um, you know, there's a possibility for someone to manifest these abilities, but it really, re- it requires them to be, mm-hmm. um, you know, intentional about doing so. Not just like yeah. snap of the fingers. It's like, ah, if my brain's not with it, the power, the, the 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 potential won't be there either. Yeah, I just love that. It's such a cool term to do that. And also, let's talk about too that I love. There's some badass women in this, some dope women in this. Um, we got Lisa, Lieutenant Lisa. Like, you don't want to cross this girl, y'all. Like, I'm talking about levitating stuff that is it's unnecessary. <laughs> the stuff that she's moving, like it's crazy. And we got Florence. Um, just, just sick, dope women. And by the way, Florence has my favorite costume. By the way, uh, you guys see some of these posters and these images are really cool. Um, I can't wait to see the action scenes with the sword. I haven't gotten that far yet, but I can't wait to see. That's one of her weapons of choice. It's so dope. Um, okay, so what can you tell us? What can you reveal? Because I know I want to keep the spoilers tight. So what do you want to tell about these two women about kind of coming up with this character, what they kind of represented for you? Uh, I love, I, I really love Lisa. I worked a lot on Lisa. Like Lisa... You can tell because she is super dope. Like you don't want to cross her. That's the woman that you want in charge. Yeah, Lisa is uh, Lisa's complex, and 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 I and I and I mm-hmm. really 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 like her character because I, I, obviously I know everything that happens to her even past twenty right, right, right. I know right, what we're yeah. building up to, which which makes me even. I'm so excited that you like her. Um, she's she she's been controversial in in beta reader groups because of the intensity, but. What I'll say is that the, when we were challenging people, I said, what does that say about how you view women who behave that way, who lead in that, in that way? So it's less about like how she is, but it's more about like how you perceive her based on your bias, your belief systems and things like that. So I love Lisa. I think she is um, nuanced and uh, I made her... I wanted to make her multidimensional because we just see so many one-dimensional female characters. Um, Mm. And so to allow her to exist in a place where she's, you know, 
um, you know, not, you know, you know, attracted to, it's not about her and Alistair's attraction to each other or, um, you know, there's, there's so many deeper things that are at play for her that, uh, that I, that I wanted to be like her own, she has her own story, you know, that's parallel and, and, and runs alongside. So, um, and kind of the same thing with Florence, it's like, it's like, um, and that's why I wrote, wrote it, wrote it multi POV was so that, when it becomes a television show or animation, like you can follow these different characters through their own journeys too. Um, Florence is like every mentor mother-like figure I've had, like my fourth grade teacher who encouraged me to write, um, you know, like the women I've worked with um, that, that, that were instrumental in saying, I know you have potential in there. So why aren't you using it? What's the block, you know? Um, so uh, Florence is a very important character. Uh, she is, she is like the most. I mean, she's like the most badass. I, I I think personally, just because of her, also her status, and outside the world of evolutionaries, like she's one of the few that can exist both in the the world world of humanity and the world of evolutionary. So um, I, I I I like that about her, um, and and I just. Lisa's story arc, as you get deeper, I think you'll, you'll appreciate it. And, um, yeah, that, that's why I like, I, I really like, like Lisa's journey. I really like her journey. Yeah. And both these women, like when you get to that part where you get to see their vulnerability that they don't always let through, it's so dope. It's so cool to see how they handle it because it's not happening. You know what I mean? It's one of those things where it's like, it's not happening. It's like that brick wall and you're like, you're trying and you're trying so, yeah, you guys are going to love these multidimensional women. Like, I think it's so cool. I hate when it's just like the one layer of the woman and she's just going through and you kind of see her powers and you don't really know a lot about her. Yeah, these, these women definitely have a lot of layers that you guys are going to find really cool. All right. So the world, too, that we're painting in um, Time and Salvation, and actually the whole series, what I want to ask you about is, so recently um, Google Earth kind of released this kind of effects thing where you can see like climate change on different areas and everything like that. And I, I was kind of curious when you were going through writing this world and, you know, they're dealing with, there's like this, this, this countdown, you know, for them. And they're dealing with some of these effects of mother nature and how you're not stopping that. Like some of these typhoons and everything. Was that in the back of your hand to kind of make people rethink, you know, a lot that's going on in the planet and things environmental wise that we kind of push to the back burner. Was that on purpose or was that just kind of something that kind of unfolded as you're writing? It, it, it was a, it was a, um, it was an invitation to, to self-reflection. So both for the world and for the individual, like what am I not doing to save the world? What am I hiding from? What am I afraid of? And uh, and then collectively, like what are we not doing? Um, because 2052 could be a story or it could be a prophecy, you know, depends on what we decide. Uh, and so a lot of the things in there, the technology, um, you know, the, the tracking systems, like all that stuff is, is available, right? It's not far-fetched in that. Um, and neither are the disasters, especially when we're seeing like crazy thunderstorms in the, in the South and the dust storm that flew over from the Sahara and landed on the East Coast. And, um, you know, so there's all kinds of things that are possible uh, if, we, if we don't pay attention to like what we're doing to the earth. Um, yeah, so it was it was very much intentional. That's the lens through which I was was reimagining it. Like I said, when I took out some of the other elements, I wanted to hone in on that piece. Mm-hmm. 
and make it feel really parallel to like what we're experiencing now. Um, and then as we move forward, it just, it just gets a little bit more crazy and intergalactic. <laughs> yeah. And I like how you mentioned the tech too. Like a lot of it feels like if our tech now was just like way out of control and the more and more that we get dependent on it, um, you know, like the sinks, I think I'm pronouncing it right, that they use are just like way out of control. Like it sounds like if I can't control my technology anymore and I can't get rid of it, this is what happens. This is what you're left with. Yes. So what's sink that is, part of, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. No, sync is, I mean, sync is like, sync to me is like the culmination of all things technological that like, whether it be like data ownership, um, you know, a singular information stream, um, Uber connectivity, and then the aggregation of all of our information in one singular place, uh, which we kind of have it already in our phones, but but just it's the next level of it being like actually physically attached to us uh, right. in that regard as well, and also not optional. <laughs> right. Yeah. And they're like everybody knowing certain things about you. It's just that, like you said, it's that future that we're headed into. And it's like, well, what are you going to do? You know, are we really going to just keep going ahead first and then there's a, what we're going to do? Like, what are some of the precautions you want to have? You know, all that kind of stuff just starts running through your head. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Um, okay, so another aspect I want to talk about, I got to hear like 30 minutes of an episode in podcast form. Like you're trying to turn this into this audio podcast world now, right? Yeah, it's interesting that you say that because it's, you kind of like, it, it's a little bit like throwing spaghetti at the wall, which I don't suggest anyone do this. But I will tell you that <laughs> um, what I learned is that because I'm independently publishing a novel, it is going to be more difficult for me to possibly get adapted because people, they have a list that they get directly from agencies and publishers that feed into to the production companies and networks to, uh, to adapt things. Um, comic books are different. If I was an indie comic creator, there's a higher chance that I would be looked at as, as a potential because of the way that those communities are. Um, so the uphill climb is in in terms of in terms of the literature piece means that I need a bigger audience and like more different types of media to like get people's attention. So um so I thought of a podcast because I don't know if you heard of the podcast Homecoming um was a podcast mm-hmm. that got turned into an Amazon Prime yeah. show. Uh, and so what we were seeing uh, around August of last year, this like influx of, of serialized podcasts that were then being adapted, um, but they're expensive to produce. So uh, uh, if anyone out there wants to uh, read 2050Z and is like, yes, this needs to be a podcast, I, I, I would love to have a conversation with you. But um but so the idea is like if I did a season of that, like even if it was just like the first, I don't know, 16 chapters, mm-hmm. we would start to get, you know, we start to gain um, traction around it and then could have someone adopted into a, um, adopted into a television show or, or cause, cause I, I was thinking something like Umbrella Academy, if it was a television show, um, style or uh if it was like animation like castlevania or legend of core or something like that so 
Yeah, and it's just like, I'm just getting excited for you to hear the voices. So we're putting it out there to hear the people that would have to do the voices for these different characters and everything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, so yeah, we're definitely putting it out there because, yeah, that's definitely the, the route to go. Like, people are loving to put things in a podcast form that are turning into like these mini series, turning into these series on different streaming networks because everybody's looking for something different. So, yeah, you guys definitely go check, uh, check out Lost Children of Andromeda, the book series. Okay, tell us about release date, mm-hmm. what you got coming up next, anything else you want to kind of tease about it? Um, well, pre-orders available now at uh, lostchildrenofandromeda.com. And uh, the book will ship uh, May 31st, and it will launch June 1st on Amazon, um, and it'll hit stores, uh, independent bookstores, June 15th. Um, which I'm in the process of pitching out and um, getting uh, orders for now. Um, we're partnered up with a, a subscription box company called Otaku Noir. Um, and they're doing a handful of books in their mystery box subscription. So they're like a black owned um, subscription box that actually features um, independent BIPOC indie creators, which is awesome. Um, yeah, that's nice. Yeah, and really a lot cool. of the box subscription companies don't feature any creators, so uh, so so they're unique. So um, we definitely have some stuff going out with them, uh, and yeah, I'm excited. I'm I'm relaunching the pop up shop in LA. We I go to like Melrose Trading Post on Sundays where I'll be selling books, and you can actually sit in. I have like like a little gaming chair you can sit in, and you can hear the the soundscape um, and experience the characters and the different scenes. Um, so yeah, it'll be it'll be it'll be it's gonna be a fun summer. Let's just say that it's gonna be a really fun summer. Yeah, this is cool. Yeah, you guys gotta go on this twenty five Z journey here because this is this is dope. Um, I can't wait to see where it goes. Thank you so much, Jason, for spending some time with me to break these characters down, break the world down. Yes, of course. Thank you for having me. It was so much fun. And we gotta you got we gotta do it again because I feel like there's some more to this series. So I feel like you gotta come back and keep filling us in, and we gotta figure out if Alistair ever gets a, ever gets a down pat. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll invite you to the book club too because because I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna launch a book club and and probably like around June 15th, uh, people want to like go through it, uh, like like mm-hmm. read it, you know, week week by week and and, and have discussions about it. Um, we did it last year during the pandemic, and it was really fun and really really connective. So. Um. Yeah. If 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 you know people if people love it, and once you get the physical book form, I'll definitely send copies over to the yeah. team. Um, because that's just a different experience anyway. But yeah, uh, the the book club is a fun, immersive way to like go through it and make new connections and learn about ourselves and all that stuff. Yeah. Hey, I'm in. I'm on. I'm on a digital copy right now. You guys, I got the special treatment, so I'm already hooked. So I can't wait for you guys to get the the actual. <laughs> Uh, copy in your hands and go through because you know guys we don't read enough look you got time now things are starting to open up but we still got time so check go out and check it out and um again jason thank you so much for the time thank you thank you so much and everybody stay safe and you know i'll talk to you later as always bye everybody the black girl nerds podcast is produced by jamie broadnax The opening theme song to our show is written and performed by Samus. Various instrumentals are performed by Samus, Sky Blue, and Shubzilla. You can find various episodes of the Black Girl Nerds podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Audioboom, Google Play Music, and Spotify.